Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Emerging Nine Golf Podcast. We are happy to have you. McLean is here pouring a flat. Was that a nice little glass of vino? Mega pint. A mega pint over there. <laughs> Let's just start right off. What are you drinking? Uh, just a little cab. Okay. All right. It's been a long time since you've been on the wine on the pod. It has been. It has been. It's been missed. Cabernet has entered the it has where i said it has <laughs> okay all right like it jay bird yeah. um, alongside what do you have tonight i've got uh elijah craig i'm giving the toasted barrel a, a shot it's oh. okay is it okay yeah it's just okay all right i, I saw mean, that the other day i wouldn't say it's spectacular but i i like elijah craig i like all their stuff so it's pretty yeah good. yeah okay. I actually had one the other day. Didn't make it through the weekend. Bought it on Friday. Yes. Um, we had some friends over Friday night, and uh, sure, my buddy and I got into it pretty heavy. Um, but the toasted barrel. It was noble oak, double oaked, uh, really solid, especially for the dollar. Um, I think it was like thirty-two bucks. Oh yeah, kind of right, right in my you know wheelhouse for something I knew was had a short uh, lifespan on it <laughs> but it was i don't want to overspend here because this is not going to last through the weekend well, i knew exactly what was happening i was going to get home and my buddy and i were going to immediately break into it and you're pouring two cups every time there's a round that goes by so i knew it was a, a short-term uh relationship but <laughs> it was it was solid for the dollar i'll tell you that right now really solid um, noble what was it noble, noble oak? oaks noble oh, yeah. oak noble oak uh double oaked uh, i got it after one of my appointments on friday i was on the way back and i uh, knew i needed to pick up a quick bottle and i wasn't getting ready to drop like 55 bucks on a decent bottle uh, and i saw that i was really going to get some 1792 but they didn't have it and uh wow. ended up on the noble oak and I'll, i go. will say i was pleased pleasantly pleased Pleasantly, check, please check that out. I don't think I don't think I've seen that in Virginia. Uh, yeah, I don't know if I've seen. I mean, I'm looking at it now, but I don't think I've seen it. Yeah, All can't right, get it cool. up in these parts. <laughs> I'm it's on Calumet. Calumet. What? Fifteen. Oh, look at you, fancy pants. Your fifteen years. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Like. That's why I had to go back to wine because the bourbon I drink makes me look like a bitch on this podcast. <laughs> I mean, that's a hundred thirty dollar bottle, <laughs> right? Yep. Well, at least it was. It could be more than that. <laughs> it's delicious. If you're wondering, <laughs> bet it is. I would hope so. I would hope so. <laughs> Damn, fifteen years spent its life in an oak barrel. It's uh, it's very very good. So after. Drinking beer for the last five hours with Club Car. Tim Carmine, if you're listening, the fine folks at Club Car and People's Golf Cars. Ratted Uh, him right out, didn't you? What's that? Just ratted him right out, didn't you? (laughs) No, I mean, it was all company dollars. His boss was there. Like it and that, you know. Hey, they they paid, took money off him playing darts. It was great. Good old time. (laughs) Win win. It's a win win for me. Not so much for him. So. Um, let's let's get into a little G. I feel like we have a lot to talk about this week. Absolutely. I mean, I've been <laughs> waiting. Um, so let's get into this rollback conversation. 
Victor Hovland. Oh, oh. Goes back to back. <laughs> you called it. Let's get I mean, into that roll. This, let's get in this rollback discussion. A great segue, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> it's like mike is having his own show and we're just going to talk about whatever we want to talk about yeah yeah i agree with the rollback yeah victor holland what a performance (laughs) it look i'll i will say this i give credit to mike for calling it when you notice that a guy is on as well as he is so i did learn something um this week i was out uh, i played troubadour on wednesday which i will say if you ever have the chance take it um unreal thanks to the guys over there discovery land does an incredible job with their properties um i can confirm that the casamigos frozen margarita machines are incredible i mean you talk about living (laughs) up to the hype the comfort stations everything it was um it was quite the experience that's what Uh, they're known for is their comfort stations yep and one of the captain's picks today for the Ryder cup was in attendance um it was a a very very uh, cool experience, um, but long story short, or as the dust settles, um, at the end of the day, however we want to say, I don't know which one I've overused recently, but uh, I, I will get to overuse one of them before this bottle of wine expires. Um, Hoblin was out there two weeks ago. We were out there for an event, and on the back of the range, uh, I walk out there, and sure enough, Victor Hoblin sitting there. Uh, hitting balls with Joe Mayo. And I think I texted you guys and told you about that. And I didn't really think much of it at the time. That was right before he went on his absolute tear, uh, right before he went to Memphis. And talking to one of the pros out there that I played golf with on last Wednesday, he told me that they figured out that Hovland's irons, his lie angles, were slightly off um, as much as two degrees. Wow, that's a lot. Well, it is a lot for these guys, for these guys. Um, One degree is a lot. Well, at the end of the day, we can tell that this new lie angle is pure working. Well, how were they off? Were they upright or I don't I don't remember which direction he had said, as I as I mentioned previously, the Casamigos frozen margarita machine. (laughs) Um, So I just found it very interesting to figure out that a, a guy of that caliber's lie angles could have been off, which I've I've heard stories of this before. This is nothing negative about this situation or the company that he represents. Um uh one of the best ones I heard is when Graham McDowell won the um US Open, his lie angles were three degrees off. They were like two or three degrees upright and they should have been like one flat. Um he ironically he's not played well since then. Uh, so they got his angles right. They went the wrong way. For Victor Hovland, it went the opposite way. <laughs> Maybe he needs to be three degrees up. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but I can tell you with 100% certain that Victor Hovland is finding the middle of the club face as well as anyone on the planet right this second. His iron play has just been absolutely unreal. Um, You've seen the, the, the shot tracer every time he hits a wedge. It's like... Or I'm not even a wedge, just an iron yeah. iron shot in general. Like he hits it, and it's like every. I mean, most of the time you see a little bit of curve, depending on the angle. You'll see a little bit here and there, but it's almost every time they 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 uh, record him uh, on the shot tracer, it's like a laser beam. Like I'm like straight. every single shot is just like dead straight. I mean, 
I don't know, Joe, Joe Mayo, we've all follow him on Instagram and he's, he's a smart dude. Um, very smart dude. I mean, he's, he gets a little technical, I think sometimes, but, um, very smart, but he even said it best. He's like, this guy, everyone keeps coming up to him and congratulating him. He's like, I'm just, I'm just showing him a new way to be a, a great, a great athlete. Like this guy has everything to be like an absolute star. Like he's got it all together mentally. He's got the attitude emotionally. He's got it physically. He's got it. Like it's, he just checks all the boxes. Um, and we all, I think we all have probably agreed on this coming in, you know, when that, that group came in with Morikawa, Hovland and, and Wolf. And I think we all agreed that, well, I shouldn't say that i I think you guys did, but I always felt like Wolf was the was the bottom of the barrel on that one, uh, and, and Morikawa got off to the the faster start. But I, I think the Hovland's closing that gap, you know, a lot. With he's he's made some of these weaknesses his strengths, and I think he's got a. I mean, the mental the mental game is super super strong. Emotionally, he just gets it. He doesn't let it. I mean, man, I I wish I had I wish I had that attitude with golf. You know, just like you just like, hey, man, I'm just going to do the best I can. Like it I either I do it or I don't like it. And that's really what it is. Like, there's really nothing to get that upset about. You well, either hit the shot or you don't hit the shot. Well, and I think kind of what he was alluding to was that. He helped him get out of his way a little bit, mm-hmm. but at the at the. When it's all said and done, he can give that same bit of information to a bunch of different guys. Victor Hovland has something special that he's able to take it and excel at the absolute highest level with it. And and right away, like very quickly. Absolutely. So that's, that's a little bit of the difference. And I think of what he's trying to get across to a lot of the people out there. So I know you look, I, I, this guy is the real deal. Yeah. All I did was help him understand, you know, change perspective. uh, Exactly. exactly. Well, he said something along the lines of he, there was a video and you guys probably saw this. Joe Mayo said something along the lines of, I just showed him the numbers and the data and yeah. Victor Victor was smart enough to understand like, okay, I need to forget about X, Y, Z and concentrate on this. Yeah. yeah. This is the important stuff. And he just kind of needed someone to rephrase it in a different way and show him the data. And then Victor's like, oh, okay, well, I'm overthinking a lot of this and let's just simplify this to, to you know, this aspect of. Yeah. Which is which is really cool, and it, and that and, and and that can change for every player. Like some players, they they can't look at the data and make that decision. You know. No, so Joe Joe was kind of the first, like you said, he's maybe a little technical. He was the first, not the first, but one of the early adapters to TrackMan. You know, his his handle on Twitter back in the day was TrackMan Maestro. You know, yeah. that's kind of where he. Yeah, he made made his fame is, you know, telling everyone about the D plane, and how what the ball's doing, what the club's doing, why is the ball curving the way it does, and and so that's kind of always been his his background. And he kind of took took a not a little heat, but he he would get at it with some people on Twitter back in the day, and he wasn't afraid to to step up and say, no, you're wrong. And this is why. And um, then he kind of went back. You didn't hear from Joe for a little while. I don't know if, if social media. Yeah. I know he's had some comments that social media kind of beat him up and um, he just wasn't a fan of it. And he, he kind of took a, a step back and you hadn't heard much from Joe recently and until 
Hell, this year they just started him and Victor just started working together. I think it was. Uh, yeah, I haven't, I haven't February, seen his. I think I haven't seen his name before this year and for a couple of years. I feel like, or at least a year. Well, um, I know right now he just posted. He was like, "If you need, I had to open a new email uh, address for anyone that's serious about in-person lessons. My other one's just getting too crowded, and he's basically trying to." manage the current demand which is i mean i can only imagine over the past few days it's had to just been blowing up i mean he's 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 definitely in the right place right now and with what he's done with victor i mean i can tell you if i had an option right now to go take a short game lesson from someone it would be him without question whatever he's told victor whatever he changed uh, a little bit and the thing that I will say that I took away from it because I'm steep, especially you know in my chipping, and that's really the worst part of my game right now. I find myself wanting to get away from that, and he was like, "No, steep's good." And all of a sudden, I was just like, "You're just oh. changing. You're you've been trying to change the wrong aspect of your chipping." Correct. That's basically, what it is the steepness Correct. is not the the reason. It's not. It's not my issue. And yeah. I've and which. I will say I used to be really, really good around the greens and chipping was probably the strongest point of my game. And I think a lot of that just comes from reps and practicing. I think that that's probably my biggest problem when it really comes down to it. Um, But it opened my eyes a little bit to not feel like I'm trying to get away from what's natural. And it's, it's, I, I don't need, that's not what I need to fight basically. Yeah. Trusting the natural instinct. I mean, it's funny how many, it's funny how many players change their game, um, you know, change their game away from what has worked for them as kids when they just, they're, you know, reactive. They just see the ball um, and they chip the ball this way, or they see the, see the hole and they put, they put it this way. And I'm not saying that everything that you learn as a kid is, is perfect, but every every individual is different and there's certain things that you pick up on that are more natural to you it's it's like how do you build on that and it's funny how many kids or or players you see that will go away from that and try to they watch a youtube video or whatever and all of a sudden they they're like oh i need to do it this way because so and so said so um and because he coaches this guy and it's like well that's not right for you and that's that's the tough part with golf and golf instruction right now in my opinion is just so much information um and it looks cool. It looks looks pretty. And if you if you've got if you're an instructor with a really cool Instagram handle and you you make great videos and it it looks appealing, then people are going to latch on. But really, it's like you need to go see that person. Like that person needs to see you hit shots in person and and see how you swing the club currently before they try to give you some swing tip on Instagram. And I get it. The guys, I say guys, guys or girls or, or ladies, they're going to do they're going to do the Instagram videos because that's going to make them money. And they, they, they make these cool tips, but I mean, if you really are serious about making nuance. Yeah. There's so many, there's so many factors that go into making sure that this information is going to be received properly by the end user. And, and there's so many factors. And it's like, man, like I could be telling you a great tip for 45% of the population, but you're in the 65%. It doesn't pertain to you, but they don't know that. Because they don't have somebody filtering this stuff. And they're like, oh, well, I saw this tip and they said to do this. I'm like, oh, my goodness. Why are you doing that? Like, you you already do that enough, too much. Now you're really doing even more. Like, no wonder you're struggling. But, you know, that's 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 the one the one problem. And now you've got 
you've got teachers that are doing, um, and I won't, I'm not going to say any names, um, but you know who, if you're listening, you know who I'm talking about. Um, there's, there's, there are people that are getting lessons online, which I, I, again, it sounds great. You send them videos and they watch your swing and they're supposed to give you, you know, some detailed information, maybe a phone call, go over the video. But there are a lot of guys out there that are getting their assistants to come back, analyze swings, you know, and, and give you information. And these, these, some of these instructors that they're that are the assistants, you're paying for premium dollar for this this name to give you to analyze your swing, give you a lesson, uh, and they're they're just sloughing it off to their assistants. And they're not, I'm sure they're fine teachers, but they're not the they're not. Not what the you're paying price for price point. Yeah, you're 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 overpaying for that that information, and it's unfortunate. It's it's disappointing to look out and see that there are teachers doing that. Like I understand the demand is high and you're making money, but someone you know most of the people that send you send you lessons, and I, I know I'm speaking in general terms here, but there's a lot of guys that do this. But when your students send you a video, you do online lessons. They want a lesson from you. They want you to tell them what what's going on. They want you to call them. And say, hey, you should be doing X, Y, and Z. Do this drill. Try this. Check back in, in in a week, and we'll go from there. But they don't want their assistant to do that. That's not what you're paying for. So, I don't know. It's kind of a bummer to see that that's kind of how it's gotten. But I get it. It's you know, it's money. But I think they're they should do it the right way. It's quick and easy for both parties, right? I mean, yeah. The student well, doesn't not- the student doesn't have to plan a day or travel to someone that's mm-hmm. in a different state. And the instructor's like, okay, great. I can have my assistant do this, or I can do this over a beer tonight at home. Mm-hmm. Like it's just quick and easy for both parties. That's but I really don't think, I mean, there's something to be said for, sorry, McLean, you, you, I know you got something to say, but there's something to be said for seeing the ball fly and watching. I mean, granted, if you have a student who can hit balls outside and then have a track man video attached to it and you can, that's, that will certainly help. But just looking at a video without seeing the ball fly is very difficult. I mean, it, it's very difficult because you can think if the camera angle is not perfectly set up, you can say, oh, you're just a, you're a little bit inside. Well, actually your camera angle is not right. And actually I was over the top, you know, now, and then C- it's- CBS fucked that up a couple of weeks ago. Oh, did they, did they bring that up? I mean, they yeah, showed, they-, they showed two pictures of Max Homa at the top of his golf swing, one from April and one from now. And the camera angle in April was, 30 degrees off it like oh, yeah. like oh look at the change he made and i'm like guys that's not even fucking remotely close to the same picture you're looking at I hate that i hate that it's like we're we're, we're beyond that now um you know kind of yeah. is uh, paul uh peter costas like like i mean and not to say that he's he was a very good teacher um but but you would get a lot of that during that time you know be like oh look at the, and it was just like it was a it was a it was a time filler it was like okay let's go to the Kanaka Minolta, Kanaka Minolta, fuck, I can't even say it. Kanaka Minolta Biz Hub segment. Mm-hmm. And they would go to this and it was almost like, okay, let's just find something to talk about for this person's swing while we fill time while they're walking down the fairway. And it was like, you know, you're right. You look at one camera angle is like, you know, 30 degrees too far inside and like on his foot line. And the other one's on the ball line and it, they, they don't match up. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Anyway. Uh, Victor Hovland's good. Is that where we were? Mm-hmm. That's where we were. He is very good. Um, That's what we're talking about. 
what he's done with his and here's the thing that's going really kind of overlooked i think by a lot of players because we're so focused in on how his short game has changed and how good his ball striking is he is putting the eyes out of the golf ball i mean putting the eyes out of the golf ball um i don't know it looks like his putter is one of the counterbalance i don't know if it's just longer and he just chokes down on it but it's it's got to come with some sort of that same you know theory but man, is he putting well? I mean, not only does he hit the shot in there, I mean, there's a lot to be said about the iron shot that he hit in there. But buddy, you give that guy 10, 12 feet right now, and he just makes it. Um, I don't know if you guys saw him putting the with the Calamity Jane, the trophy after yeah. the fact on the putting green. He dropped he dropped three balls down with a replica of Bobby Jones old putter. He made all three of those. All three of them. <laughs> and center cut. None of them lipped in. I mean, just center cut. I mean, the guy is just all around feeling himself right now. And he, you know, it's one of those things I feel like it's really easy to enjoy what he's doing, not only because of how he plays, but how he handles himself. You know, the money doesn't seem to be the motivator for him. Um, you know, he said, he goes, I don't need a lot to live, you know, within my means and I'm sitting there going, buddy, your means are pretty <laughs> impressive right now. I can tell you that um, his means are very impressive. So, you know, at where he is right now, he's going to be tough to beat at the Ryder cup. He, he, the, the biggest, so here's, here's something I don't know if a lot of people thought about the worst thing that happened to him is the season just ended. I mean, yeah. let this yeah. guy run off a couple more tournaments. I mean, my God, I, I don't know what it would take. Um, for him to he, lose, but he's so easy, so easy to root for, so easy to like. the The worst part about Victor Hovland is his attire; it's just god awful. <laughs> Other than that, he's a great guy, but he is maybe the worst dressed player on the PGA Tour. He's still a uh, Lin- Jay Lindenberg guy. Far. Can't go that far. Yeah, he's Jay Lindenberg, uh, but no, he's definitely not the worst dressed. But uh, it's very European, which he is. Um, he is European. I'll give you that. And I'm sure they are paying him handsomely. I mean, their stuff's good stuff. It's just, you know, it's a little different from what this traditional Southern boys would wear. You get that, Mike. <laughs> this Southern, Eastern, Western. I don't care. It's fucking awful. <laughs> um, I was just looking at the Ryder Cup standings for for the Euros. Where do you think Holland's ranked? I know we're going to get into this, but where do you think he's ranked on the list right now? He's got to be third, right? I mean, the Ryder Cup, I, I don't know how this is, but the Ryder Cup standings say that he is 17th. Well, there's two lists. There's, yeah, there's two, two lists, lists, though. Yeah. And there's world the world list, and then there's the Euro point. They, they use two different point lists over there. Uh, he's third on the yeah he is third on the world point list but on yeah. the Euro point list he's seventeenth so That's I mean because he doesn't play any European events yeah how did how did so they just look at both of them and make I mean make their picks what's the it's, well he's three and three for um probably the Scottish Open in that the tournament right before yeah the so the Euro point list is like pretty much only for European tour events. I got you. So they do the top three for the European points list, and then the top three for the world points list, which he's which he's qualified for. Yeah. Okay. So I, I think because so the, many Europeans play in the America now that they had to kind of split their. That's a yeah. That qualifying. Uh, well, I pulled it up originally and didn't realize it was two two point settings, and I was like, he's seventeen. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> one, how is he at seventeenth? And two, 
Uh, I'm pretty sure that he's going to be a captain's pick if he's not already on. But <laughs> yeah, I think he's um, good. Yeah, and Tyrell Haddon is the other one on the world point point list. Yeah. So the only tournaments I'm looking at the list now on the DP World site, um, he's gotten credit for his finishes at the Open Championship, Scottish Open, U.S. Open, PGA, and the Masters. So the only non-major European Tour event he's played in is the Scottish Open, which yeah is the week before. Uh, in those events, he doesn't have anything outside of the top five. PGA was second, seventh at the Masters, 19th at the Open, um, 13th at the British, and 25th at the Scottish. Yeah, so that, that's all that is. It's just semantics over there because they know so many of the good players play in the States. Yeah. So they're like, we can't just use the European Tour point list because we're not going to have any good players. <laughs> He's yeah, seventh it's... on the race to Dubai rankings, which is pretty impressive, considering he's played you know five events. Five events, yeah. Which Rory McIlroy is leading, and he only played seven events. He he won Dubai, right? Yeah, I believe so. And then you've got Victor Perez and Adrian Moronk that are ranked three and four. They both played in fourteen and seventeen events, and you've got John Rahm and Rory McIlroy ahead of them, and they've played in five and seven events. <laughs> Brutal. Pretty important. Uh, as far as the tour championship, what else? What else you guys got? Uh, Xander had to have been standing in front of the bulldozers this morning when they went out to the golf course because he fucking loves that place. I cannot believe I did not pick him in anything. Like, well, I picked him um, after the first or second round. I bet on him uh, to win the golf tournament. And I was watching all Sunday to see if he was going to make a run, and he did. But Victor just stayed out in front of him. Uh, he played some incredible golf. Um, when it gets back, I mean, not trying to get off of Xander. Um, you're exactly right. Loves the golf course. Horse for a course. He, he could not have been happy with them redesigning this golf course, knowing that the Tour Championship still has a contract with that facility. On the backside of that, the, the format's not right yet. It, it's... It did allow for some drama, and it did allow for someone that wasn't leading. Uh, Scotty Scheffler didn't win and just run away with it, which is good. And it certainly had you know, the top players up there at the top, so I, I get that aspect of it. I don't know. It just it still doesn't it doesn't provide. I think what we're looking for. I don't know what to do as I'm watching Paul Goidos five putt in front of me. Sorry if I vomit in my mouth, but. I don't know what to do with the format because I, you're either rewarding season-long performance or you're doing a playoff. They're stuck in the middle, right? Every other sport, you have a playoff. Whether you go 16-0 like my New England Patriots and you lose in the Super Bowl, you lose. Like You're not getting rewarded for regular season performance. But in the golf... They're trying to do both. So either you just have a season-long point race and you call it a race, the FedEx Cup point race or whatever it is, and the winner is the winner at the end and whoever has many points, congratulations. Or you do like an actual playoff and people go back to zero and say, here's a, sorry, Scotty Scheffler or John Rahm. If you play bad or whoever, you're going down the list and you don't make any money. I I, I don't know. I I don't know what to do. It's just anticlimactic. No, I, I agree yeah. with that. Rory made a really good point, and I think you just touched on it. 
you know, the playoffs and pretty much every other uh, sport, once you make it to them, it's basically you start fresh. And I'm okay with that. The point that I like that he made was that, you know, the Comcast top 10 needs to be rewarded more. There needs to be something there that rewards, you know, the season long um, performance. You know, John Rahm, they looked at and said, you know, can you imagine John Rahm finishing below Adam Shank on the FedEx Cup point list for the year long total? I promise you, I'd have bet against that. But I get the playoff statistic to say, you know, once you make it to the playoffs, the season basically starts over. So uh, yeah, I, I agree. I think it's got to be something along those lines. Uh, and again, we've kind of gone back and forth with this in the past. Like, we we don't want we don't want to lose. Like, if a guy misses a cut in the first event, I think I think they're very close. I think I, I think there should there should be a long or a, a bigger uh, a bigger payout for the regular season. It should be two payouts. Like, you, we have the regular season champion, and we have the FedEx Cup playoff champion. Like make a bigger, give a bigger payday for the guy who who played well all year, and then you can stagger the points a little bit leading into the playoffs um, to help make sure your top guys make you know make it from one event to the next. But then once you get to the final event, it's like okay, whoever wins wins the wins the playoffs. There's no points here. So again, you have a you have a regular season champion. Uh, maybe that's ten million, and the other ten millions for the playoffs. But you know you can stagger the points a little bit in the first two events to help you qualify for the finals. But once you get those thirty guys in the finals, that's it. It's a free for all. You're all even. Whoever wins wins the tournament. Which in this situation, it was Victor Hovland and 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 Xander Shoffley both tied at nineteen under par. The best two players playing. I mean, it wouldn't have been that much different, but it probably would have been um, more entertaining because more guys would have been a little bit closer. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, how cool would have that have been? I mean, Xander shoots sixty-two on Sunday. Hovland <laughs> shoots sixty-three. They're in a duel for the championship mm-hmm. instead of a five-shot victory for Victor Hovland. Mm-hmm. I agree, hundred percent. I, I think, I think, I think they're still going to try to tweak it, and I, I think it's going to go somewhere along those lines. You know, because I mean, like you said, Rory brought it up. I think we've all said it. Multiple, multiple people have said it. Like, you need to reward, you know, the play throughout the season. Um, and there's something to be said for playing a full season, playing more events, and accumulating those points. Because in the end of the day, it's like, okay, all I'm doing by playing 35 events this year is giving myself more opportunity to just make the playoffs, um, which granted, is going to give you a little bit more money. But, you know, at the end of the day, if you play well all year, it's like, hey, I want to be rewarded for that, you know, outside of just what I won um, in tournament earnings. So I don't know. I think that that could be a good segue, you know, you know, split it up, have a regular season champ and a, and a, a playoff champ and then reset at the, at the final. There's only 30 guys. So it's not like you're resetting for – 150 guys and you got a bunch of no names up there. Yeah. You've got 30. If you make the the tour championship and you're one of 30 guys, like you, you're one of the best players, you know, you can, I mean, you're going to be somebody that people want to pay attention to. And, and not only that, but it's a chance for them to tell more of their, their story. So. Yeah. I just, I don't, I, I know they're trying to pander to the sponsors and to TV plays a big role. And even the fans to an extent don't, no offense, 
Adam Shank or Taylor Moore, a couple of guys that Seb Straka that were in the, you know, they don't, the, the TV execs don't want them to be in contention. And some of the fans mm-hmm. don't want them to be in contention either. They want to watch the studs play. So yeah. it's, it's a, it's a balance between do we reward the regular season play? Do we reward, actually have a playoff? Do we pay attention to the entertainment product that we're putting out there for the fans, for the sponsors, for the TV? It's it's a hard line that they're trying to walk. I just don't I don't know if I really have the right answer either. But I, I mean, think any I, of us I, do, and obviously they don't either. I'm all for awarding that. I just don't know how you do it throughout this. I mean, the tough part is that yeah, you have 30 guys, but how many of those 30 guys actually have a chance of winning? I mean, not very many. I mean, it's depends literally how you do it. I mean, if you do it with the with the strokes, I mean, it's you, if you're not in the top ten, uh, you're not gonna you you basically have no and no one has won outside of the top ten once they've switched the uh, gone to the tiered uh, or the staggered start with with strokes. Yeah, so basically, you've limited your opportunity for someone to win to a third of the field. And exactly. So that's that, where that's where I just don't think it just it doesn't it takes the drama out. Right. Yeah, I yeah. mean, you can have. You could have, uh, you know, one of the guys that started down low, you know, Taylor Moore, for example, uh, Emiliano Grio. Um, they didn't necessarily play great this week, but let's say they go out and just have an absolute incredible week. They don't have the opportunity to hoist a trophy, win a golf tournament, even though they shot the lowest four-round total. Well, even like a guy like Colin Morikawa, right? He goes out and shoots 61, 64. It's so hard to do that for four straight days, which he would have had to have done to win the tournament. like. Yeah. To keep that play up, it was an unbelievable first two days, and he played bad on the weekend. But even if he played average, it was he's not going to win. You know, no. like yeah, I mean, you have Kyle Morikawa and Sam Burns yeah. both shot ten under for this event. Scotty Scheffler shot one under for the event and finished uh, one shot above Sam Burns and tied with Kyle Morikawa. Not taking anything away from what Scotty's done this year. Obviously, he's played him and deserves his position. But he didn't play good in the Tour Championship. Yeah, you just look at some of those stats. I mean, those guys should have finished, um, you know, fourth and fifth behind Wyndham, Xander, and Victor. Um, you know, there's got to be some reward. I mean, there's no handicapping in the NBA Finals or the Super Bowl or the World Series. It's if you earned your place there, you start in the same spot. It's nil nil, and and you add them up at the end. Yeah. I, I think they're I think they're over I think they're overlooking the fact that. You know, back to your point, like the sponsors say they don't want Adam Shank to win the tour championship. Um, I, I think that that's that's the per, their perception, um, you know, in years past. I, I think that it's I think people get excited about that. Like, who is this guy? Where did this guy come from? And it, that's where the networks, again, tell the story. Give me the backstory. You only have 30 guys, you know. You know, the 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 network needs to get in and do like heavy duty interviews. Do all your research. Do all your um, your digging. Find out about this person in case they are in the mix. I've got a story to tell, and that's what captivates captivates the audience. I mean, we've got four and a half five hours to watch this thing. If the guy's in the mix leading into into Sunday, run your story. You know, have have a bunch of different segments. You've only got thirty players in. And again, most of the players you probably already have a bunch of information on. 
there's probably only 10 guys that you have to really dig in and do this for. Like I think they're they're I think they're doing their their product a disservice. Like they can dig in and, and showcase some of these guys. I mean, think about it. Every year in every other sport, whether it's baseball, football, basketball, there's always rookies that come in. You're like, who is this guy? I don't want this guy to win. I don't know who this guy is. Why is he playing well? And then you get to know them, you find out who they are, find out what they went through to get to where they are how hard they worked. And you're like, Oh, I kind of like that guy. Oh, I, I got a connection with this person because of this, this, and this yeah. golf's no different. Like we, we, everyone loves the, the, you know, you know, the come from behind story, you know, a guy who's down and out, like I came from nowhere and here I am. Like everybody loves that. Like David and Goliath, we want to see the the little guy beat the, beat the stars. I mean, Kim and again, like, yeah. <laughs> everybody loves a good comeback story. <laughs> come from behind and win. Yeah. You mean come on or back or what? <laughs> That's exactly what I meant. <laughs> Sorry, that was a uh, Parks and Recreation Chris Pratt blooper, which is like my favorite of all time. Um, but anyway, I don't. I don't think. I think they're. I think to to add to what we were talking about of, of not having the staggered start. I think if they could just reset and it, again, only thirty guys, you could certainly create the storylines for all 30 players as to why it would be cool for them to win. And then that's really what's going to captivate the audience and make people watch. Uh, I think that I personally think that they lose viewership because of the staggered start. Again, we're like, ah, you know, that's weird. Guys are starting at 10, eight, seven, seven, six, six. I'm like, okay, one of the top 10 guys is going to win. I'll wait till Sunday to watch. Yeah. If there's drama, if there's drama, I mean, I think you're exactly right. When the Patriots lost in the Super Bowl, who they play again? The Giants. Giants. Yeah. So in this format, the Patriots would have started what 14 and 0, 21 and 0, and the Giants had to come back from that. Game over. Ratings have been for that Super Bowl, right? So that's where you've got to look at it. And one of the coolest storylines from that, sorry, Mike, was that you know the Giants did end up coming back after having, you know, not near as quality a season. Yeah, they as, were nine and seven wildcard team, but they gut in the playoffs. Everyone started at zero and they went on a run and won when it mattered. That's exactly right. So, you know, it, it's again, I don't have the answer. I don't. Do I feel like a change is needed? I do. I don't know what that change is. Yeah. I don't know. I don't trust them to figure it out either, but. Uh, another question for you who's player of the year so there's three I think there's there's three options you have Scotty Scheffler we've talked about him every episode for the last six months for obviously his reasons he's only won twice but he just played absolutely fucking stellar all year you now have Victor Hovland Three wins this year, including the FedEx Cup now. And John Rahm, four wins, including the Masters. My vote, John Rahm. Most of it was earlier in the year, so there's not the recency bias that Scheffler and Hovland have. But four wins and a major, you win. Yeah, I, I, I kind of agree. I mean... It's it's always this game is what have you done for me lately? So it's yeah. easy to kind of put Hovland up there like he's playing great, but 
over the course of the year. I think, you know, the thing that really just is kind of a bummer is that Rom in the last two months has played pretty, I say, below average for his standard. And that really hurt. If he had just had a couple good finishes, it was a no-brainer. Because, again, I think I, I, I value winning, especially winning a major, above a bunch of top 12 finishes, which is what Scotty Scheffler had. I'm like, look, dude, you're a great ball striker, and we know that makes you a lot of money. But if you want to be the best player of the year, the player of the year, you got to win. You got to win. And he couldn't putt well enough to win. So it's hard to it's hard to put him up there as well as he played. And I think even Rory even made that comment. I was like, it was like, I think Scotty Scheffler's had, you know, one of the best ball striking years in the history of the game. Um, but you know, he didn't go on to say he didn't win, but he just was commenting on how incredible it was. But he also could have said, "This is one of the best years that anyone's ever had." Because if you were if we were putting halfway decent, if he were yeah. if he were not, what did they? What was the stat? I know you guys saw this. If he were middle of the road, just didn't gain any strokes, didn't lose any strokes putting, a middle of the pack, he would have won like ten or eleven or twelve times or something like that. I didn't see it, but it's a lot. Uh, I mean, it's All insane. Right. So I just dug into this a little bit. I mean, that's like Tiger Woods. You know, VJ Singh 2001 kind of season, like arguably some of the greatest seasons ever in the history of the PGA Tour. So, Rom missed two cuts this year, did have four wins, missed two cuts. Hovland missed no cuts this year. Um, I need to look at top 10 runner up, top 25, um, comparing the two. But man, is it, it, it's close. You could almost go either way. And Hovland winning the last two play last two um playoff events. Hovland had more top 25s. I want to say he had eight more top 25s. Did not miss a cut, won three times, and has one less top 10 than John Rahm. I mean, you could you could look at it either direction. Obviously, Hovland did not win a major, but winning, winning the, the FedEx Cup is pretty incredible and too. Winning the FedEx Cup. Well, and doing what he did in the last two events in the fashion that he did was pretty impressive. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I see it kind of both ways. I really do. I agree. I yeah. agree. I mean, you, I still you, go you, the wins. Wins in a major, man. That's what they play for. Yeah. Yeah. I could, you, I, you could, you could argue Hovland's two wins were on limited field events. The Masters is a limited field event. Okay. But it's the Masters. Agreed. I'm not taking anything away from Augusta. I may have just gotten blacklisted with that one statement. <laughs> There's a fax machine going off in Butler's cabin right now, banning me from ever getting tickets again. Do people still have fax machines? It's Augusta. <laughs> they do it old school. <laughs> they do it old school. Yeah. But no, I think I think you're right, though. I mean, both of you guys, those are two good points. I mean, you, you you're... You want to pick the guy who wins, but, and again, the masters, it, it's a limited field event, but it is a major. So it's not, it's not easy to win. It is the easiest, I think, to win for a, for the player who's playing better golf. Of the majors. Again, yeah. We've gone through this, but you do the math. And if you're, if you're the top player in the world, your odds of winning this tournament are greater than any other tournament throughout the year. It's the weakest field that you will play the whole year. Um, it, I mean, it is what it is, and it's a major at the memorial. What's that? 
Did Hovland lose in a playoff at the Memorial, or he won that? He won the Memorial. All right, well, hold on a second there, because then the hero's not being counted, because he won the hero as well. Which yeah, because the hero's not a win. It's it's on the PGA Tour website. No, it's not an official win. It doesn't go to his points. It doesn't go to his earnings. I, no, I, I, I agree. guys I in it. agree with that. That's but not a win. It 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 says number one. Yes, he came in first place. He came in first place. It's it's just like a fucking live event. It's not a win. I don't know. Was John Rahm playing? I don't care who was playing. It's 18 guys. I'm just I'm just just checking. Let's just see where Rahm finished. Technically, technically that's four wins where I sit. I don't know. No, that's three. John Rahm. Not a win. Eighth there. Guys are on vacation in the Bahamas. It's not a win. It's a chance to take the missus and the kids on a, on a hey honey, we're gonna go to a nice resort. You can go to the spa. I'm gonna go play some golf and get a free check. Like that's not a fucking golf tournament. I don't know. You have the top five versus Hop Hovland, Scheffler, Cam Young, Xander, and JT. Yep, there's a lot of guys looking for free money. A lot of guys these days looking for free money. They're also some pretty solid players. They are. It's not a real tournament though. But technically, technically speaking. Okay, so you add up the 18 he beat there, the 30 he beat at the Tour Championship, and the 50 he beat last week. You're still not at a full field event with three of those wins. That's a good point. I mean, I I, I hear you. I hear you, but I, all I all I'm saying is that it's something to be considered. I bet it is. He's up there. I told you he's one of the three that are up there. But to me, it's winning, winning any any tournament with top tier talent. I mean, that's we've gone back and forth when we talk about live the live events. Like, should they be? Should they get world ranking points in some you know form or fashion? Yes, a hundred percent. They should. I mean, the field. There, there are top tier players there, Um, and I would argue that the the fields for the live events are probably more. Um, it, it, they're smaller, but you probably have more top tier players playing in those than you do at like a European or DP World Tour event. So I'm not saying that they should get the same points. I'm just saying sure. they should get some points. Um, in the same, I mean, they do get. Don't they get world ranking points for? They don't get any world ranking points for the hero. No, they do. And they should. They do. They they do, but they probably shouldn't. They should not. But but again, you are playing against. I know it's only 18, but you're playing against 18 of the best players in the world. So. It's not, it, it shouldn't be considered uh, as a, you know, it's not the same as John Rahm winning his four events on the PGA Tour because there's only 18 guys, but it is any it, it, it is against, you know, top tier guys. But anytime you win an event, it's like you play. Yeah, I, I get that. Uh, I just, I don't take that event seriously. All right. Yeah. I mean, I, I never, I, it feels like a, it's a silly season like a event. Silly season event. Yeah. I've got a very interesting stat. I just located with Victor Hovland's putting from over 25 feet on the PGA tour. He's 116th from 20 to 25 feet. He's 170th from 10 to 15 feet. He's 58th, and inside of 10 feet. He's 88th, but putting from 15 to 20 feet. He's fourth. You know, what's so funny. Uh, That's the Jordan speed stat pretty much. It, that it is, really is that that range because that's where if you go if you go back and look at the tour average from from a hundred what is it seventy five yards and out 
the average, nothing is inside of that average. Nobody averages from any distance from, I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't say from any distance, but full swing, like 75 yards and out, nobody averages closer than 15 feet. Yeah. So if you're, if you're the best wedge player on tour and you're hitting it to 18, 19, 20 feet, and you're the best putter on tour from 15 to 20 feet, and you drive the ball pretty good like he does. I mean, not great. I mean, he's not like the – he's a good driver. He's not the longest driver. But here you go. Here's a guy who starts beating everybody's brakes in. It's just so funny how you match these things up. And, like, these stats, these – they like, I don't – it's just – it's mind-blowing to kind of go through the, all that. And like, we spend some – in in figuring out where to spend your time putting. It's like, I do think, you know, short putt speed control are important, but those mid-range putt, mid-range putts – if you really get a feel for speed and line, well, the money's made out there. That's I mean, because you're going to have so many of those putts. And if you're really good at this 15, I, I would even go 15 to 25 feet. But if you're really good at that range, man, you're you're going to you're really going to you're really going to putt well. You know, it's just it's funny now that we got that we have access to all these stats that we didn't have 10 or 15 years ago. Um but I don't know, that's, that's that was cool. That's really cool to see that because you know you yeah. you go look at it and you're like, man, you're watching him putt, and he he just putted his tail off the last two weeks, and just everything looked it was so effortless. Um, and then yeah, go, yeah. going back and looking at the stats and seeing where he where he was making all those putts, it's, it's really cool. Yeah, he he had 260 attempts from outside 25 feet, 101 attempts from 20 to 25 feet. 145 from 15 to 20 and 196 from 10 to 15. So it's funny. He, he has that, that 15 to 20, he's really comfortable. And it's kind of odd to see him have more putts inside of 10 to 15 feet and be such a big jump from that that distance. Well, that's because that's because of short game. Because short game's average, so he's not hitting it to five feet, so he has a lot of ten footers for par. No, I'm with yeah, I'm with you there, especially like and I'm not even talking about the ones inside of ten feet. But but uh, the percentage, but but the percentage made is still it's still kind of make correct. it doesn't make sense. Like you would the, correct. It, it, across the board, every putter tends to once you get once you get inside of like that thir- I think maybe that thirty five to forty foot range, they tend to make more. It progressively gets better the closer you get to the hole in terms of the makes and for for him to have a weird like in this weird sure, enigma yeah. for this one section is like he made his percentage of putts made inside of 15 20 feet is greater than you know uh 20 to 25 would make sense but why would it be better than uh 10 to 15 or 15 to 20 that's that's weird you know like, that, that, you would, that's that's what i was getting to yeah, that seems strange. Like it, that's his comfort zone. And it just so happens that that's where, like, like I was saying, that it just so happens that that's where the tour average lies. Or when you say the tour average, I think that is the that, that is the best of the top tiered uh, players hit it to that distance, even with their shortest clubs. So here we are with a guy who hits the ball relatively straight and is a great iron player, a great iron player, wedge player. And if he's doing that really well, he's at the the top tier of of proximity to the hole, and he's hitting it in, in this fifteen to twenty five foot range, and he's one of the best putters on tour in this fifteen to twenty five foot range. Here we are watching Victor Hovland, 
you know, shoot 27 under uh, or, or whatever it was. I guess it was 19, 19 under um, for four rounds. I don't know. The, the stats are cool. I mean, again, I know you can kind of twist and turn numbers and, but I, I, I've always said the numbers are cool because it tells a story and it's just, how do you want to, how do you want to dig in and look at it? And, and, and you can, you can pick whatever story you want, but they're all there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's pretty good. Pretty good. It's pretty, pretty good season for all three of those guys. I mean, I would, I mean, and again, then you have Rory who, who played, I mean, typical Rory. How many wins did he have? Two, two or three wins, two wins. Two. I think it was two. But, but, uh, well, you know, shit ton of top fives and top tens. I mean, a ton, a ton. Um, so. Yeah, it, it uh, player of the year will be a little more interesting. Victor made it a little more interesting than I initially thought it was going to be. Yeah, but um, so here's a now I'm just digging into this. This is probably getting boring for the listeners, but do you know Scotty Scheffler only earned less than a hundred thousand in one event this year? Made every cut, seventeen top tens, and the CJ Cup in South Carolina. Um, played at Congaree is the only event that he made less than a hundred thousand <laughs> that's that's insane to think about like every time that guy teases up it's at least a hundred thousand dollars well it's it's a lot more than that that he had i know i'm just saying it's at least that <laughs> yeah i mean there's at so least that every thousand dollar and eight hundred thousand dollar paychecks on here it's unreal you just walk on the first tee and like well this hundred thousand minimum <laughs> It was just something crazy about you know how well the top players are playing this year. Rory McIlroy won twice, hasn't finished outside of the top ten since the first week of May. That's insane, and is not in the conversation for Player of the Year. Well, that's that's again my point. If we go back and look through this, I mean, again, I I know in the beginning of the year John Rahm played great, but. So did Scotty Scheffler. I mean, I, I, I think about the year long. If I add up everything for the year, I mean, I know he didn't win as much, and I know that's, I know that's probably the most important. But I think it's kind of funny. It's weird because you look at him like, man, this guy is really playing good. He's not putting great. Somebody help him. But like from tee to green, like he is just beating everybody's brains in from tee to green. And that, and that's where, again, I think that's where uh, stats are are really kind of skewing our view on who the best player is, because we didn't have this twenty years ago. You would just look at wins and top tens, and but we, I think most people are looking at these stats on PJTour.com, like number one in strokes gain, tee to green, number one in strokes gain approach, number one in strokes gain off the tee. Number, I mean, he's number one in all these categories, and you're like, oh, he's the best player. He's the best player. And but again, like you said, Mike, it's like, did you win? Did you win? Did you win the tournament? Because again, play to win the game. the game. Thank you, Gus Edwards. All right, Herm Edwards. Oh, hold on, uh, yeah. this is just incredible. Where is Gus Edwards? Is he still playing for the Baltimore Ravens? <laughs> He's probably tore his ACL. <laughs> oh God, that's terrible. All right, Scotty <laughs> Scheffler played in twenty three events this year. If you just average out what he made and divide that by 23. All right, let's take a guess. Wait, wait, wait. Jay, take a guess. 
I think he made eight hundred thousand. I was going to say four hundred and seventy-five thousand. You're both low. Jesus, he made nine hundred and thirteen thousand six hundred and sixty-seven dollars per event. If you just averaged it all out to the same paycheck every week, say that again. What was that? He played in twenty-three events. Yeah, he made twenty-one. I'm sorry, $21,014,342 official money. Right. I forgot about the FedEx FedEx Cup. That does not count the FedEx Cup. It doesn't? Yeah, that has to. It does not count the additional revenue made in the FedEx Cup. That is just official money. The FedEx Cup is official money, isn't it? Yeah, they changed that. Yeah, it's not. It doesn't even show. So if you even look at his results, it doesn't show that dollar amount. Okay, yeah, because Victor Hovland's at fourteen million on this list, and he won eighteen for eighteen million. Correct. So this is so it's just with all the elevated events, how much the money's increased. I mean, good, great. That's obviously the most anyone's won in one in a single year. Yes, that is correct. He beat John Rahm by five million dollars. Golly, I mean. Gosh, that is a lot. It's a lot. I know winning is important, but it also that's just peaking at the important too. <laughs> that's just peaking at the right time of the purse. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, I bet uh, you if you finish, you could finish second in one of these elevated events and make more than most wins on a regular event. Yeah. Well, then yeah, but Rom had the same opportunity too. He he so, did. You're right. What I can tell is that that basically adds up everything but the tour championship. So that money stopped at the BMW championship. Well, back in the day, if you were the money, if you were the money leader on tour, like there, there was a prize for being the the like now it's FedEx Cup points, but back then it used to be money. Yeah. Like, did you did you win the money title on tour? Yeah. Like that was the thing. So. I mean, there's something to be said for winning the money title on on the PJ Tour, and it's kind of gone by the wayside with the FedEx Cup points and the playoffs and stuff. But you know, in the '80s and '90s, you know, it was I won the money title on the PJ Tour. You 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 were in the argument for being the best player of the year for winning the money title based on you obviously showcased your your skills and and playing consistently over the course of the year, winning the most money. Um, so uh, you know, that's a great point. I I didn't even think about that, but. Uh, that definitely sways to sways towards Scotty Scheffler a little bit. It definitely well, shows his consistency throughout the year. Oh, if you look at his um, his results, I mean, it's seventeen top tens and twenty three starts on the PGA Tour. That's hard to do. I don't give a shit what anyone says. Oh, yeah, that's hard to do. He had a ridiculously good year. Ridiculously good year. Yeah, and he made an additional um, two point five million. In Atlanta, so yeah, you know he he got close to twenty four million dollars this year playing golf. But if on but if, well, what what was it before the FedEx Cup? Twenty one million. If he had won the FedEx Cup, what was it? Eighteen million. Yeah, but that would been well, essentially been forty million dollars. Forty million dollars on course earnings. Still would have been here. Here's a stupid statistic. Still would be. About thirteen to fourteen million light of Steph Curry. <laughs> yeah, more people watch basketball. It is yeah. what it is. <laughs> yeah, it's wild to think about it. 
I mean, it's just like every other sport. Like, hey, I mean, can you, certain can people you like me? basketball, certain people like football, more people like, you know, or you got baseball and then you got soccer, you got women's soccer. That's a whole nother argument, you know, but it's all about, you know, what, who, who's watching what, you know? Well, I remember out. going to a Hornets game a couple of years ago when I lived in Charlotte and I was blown away by how few people were in the arena and how much the guys on the court were, were making. I mean, there were guys on court making like 14, 15 million dollars a year. I had never fucking heard of. Um, <laughs> and I'll challenge both of you guys right now to tell me one of your good buddies. That's a big NBA fan. I'm really not. I'll wait. I'm not. I'm not. A, I'm not big on NBA. And like I like it. I I watch them. I just I love basketball in general, but at the same time, I don't follow it. I will catch a Hornets game every now and again when they're playing. Um, but to see how few people were in the stands and how much money these guys were making, just telling me that their TV deals just must be astronomical. Steph Curry's gonna make sixty million dollars in the 25-26 season, the last season of his contract. Well, it also comes down to the amount of games that are aired, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's it's international like money. Yeah, you've got international money, but you also go like baseball. Like they, they still the, the 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 budgets that and the caps that these teams work with, they work up these deals because they play 162 games and NBA 82 games, and here the NFL, probably the most popular sport in 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 America right now, but they only have 17 games, so there's only 17 opportunities to get in front of people, in front of fans. So they're limited, and I think that's where they're still trying to work it out. I mean, sounds like the owners and the NFL are really cashing in, um, and and some of the players are not. Um, obviously, we've heard the talks in the last three weeks. We've got running backs who are think they should get paid. They're the workhorses, and I mean, I kind of agree with them a little bit. But I, I, again, it, it comes down to who's watching. You know, that's what it comes down to. And 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 back to professional golf. I mean. I think we're fourth on that list um, compared to those the the three juggernauts there, and then you know MLS soccer is pretty non-existent here in the U.S. But uh, uh, obviously, growing, over it's growing incredibly fast. I mean, I'm sure I'm sure it's growing. I mean, but I don't think it's I don't think it's at the level of the other three or four yet. But not um, yet. But it wouldn't surprise me if they surpass golf with the popularity of that sport and. You know, I'm here in Nashville now, and I can promise you, people love the Nashville Soccer Club or Nashville mm -hmm. Football Club. Um, it is a big deal. And Messi came and played here last week, and, I mean, it was a buzz. People were talking about it. I had no idea it was even happening. Um, but, no, it, it's it's impressive. And, you know, one last thing on that subject, when you're talking about how much, you know, especially with, like, baseball and football teams are making, when you are paying some of these players – literal millions upon millions of dollars to not play for you it tells me that they're doing okay yeah mm -hmm. yeah. yeah it's crazy all i want is a deferred contract i'm trying to get one <laughs> right now and the coaches are where it's at you gotta get you just suck as a coach for two years and you get fired and you get paid for four after that it's great yeah yeah awesome. 40 million to do nothing 20 million whatever it is all right, we're we're over an hour in, and we haven't mentioned the Ryder Cup picks. I we thought you were, do it. You started with that R. We're over an hour in, and, and we haven't mentioned R. And I'm like, rollback. No. And he goes into a Ryder Cup. No. Is that even we, news right now? I thought rollback was a big thing. 
No, we delayed the podcast a Tuesday night because of the captain's picks this morning. This was a purposeful. We should have started with there because no one's listening yet. We went into so many different rabbit holes there. We should have started with Ryder Cup. We did. Good news news is I'm deep into the bottle, so let's do this. So, (laughs) U.S. Ryder Cup picks. Captain Zach Johnson made his selections this morning. Uh, Most of the news leaked last night, which was accurate. Those picks, How does that happen, by the way? Because these guys get notified days ago. That's how. But Continue. Continue. That's my just guess. Captain's picks are in no particular order. Colin Morikawa, Brooks Kepka, Jordan Spieth, Ricky Fowler, Sam Burns, and Justin Thomas. Can't leave JT at home. Thoughts. That was a great line. That was a great line. Look, I'll tell you right now, I was very surprised to hear the Justin Thomas um, pick. We all know where I stand on JT. And I, I love it. Um, on the back side of that, it's it's a it was a very tough pick to make. I understand the rationale behind it, but it also opens him up to a lot of criticism if he does not play well in Italy. Um there were a lot of guys that got passed up there. I, I can only imagine how Keegan Bradley and Cam Young um, are feeling uh, right now, considering how well they played. Keegan, especially with the run that he made late in the season, with Justin not not even qualifying for the playoffs, it, it's it's tough. I get it. I understand it. You know, this is me trying to take my Justin Thomas allegiance out of the situation entirely, but. I get it. The guy has the experience. Probably when he's in form, probably the best match play player on the planet. Um, talk about a guy who's a bulldog and gets up for it. Uh, he, he he shines in these moments. He provides a great opportunity for a teammate with with Jordan and with Ricky. Um, you know, I get it. I get it. But it was a tough pick to make. You, you, he did pass over a lot of really good players. And it's tough to say a lot, but it's true because – he was ranked 16th. There were other guys ahead of him that easily were in that argument. Um, it feels like it came into the Sam Burns book, and it's almost like, all right, Sam Burns won the match play. Cam Young finished second, so we're going to take Burns over Young. Um, you know, and and it sounded like that Justin Thomas was picked over Sam Burns in that situation as well. So, you know, it's. I like the team. I really like the team. If JT goes out there and just dominate, no one will say a word about it ever again. If he plays poorly and we lose the Ryder Cup because of the match that he's involved in, this is something that will be talked about for a very long time. So the way I look at it is I was surprised and not surprised at the same time. It, to me, it comes down to they chose pedigree over current form. I'm okay with that. You Makes can make an sense. argument for and against any of these guys. Cam Young, Sam Burns, JT, Keegan, Lucas Glover. You can make an argument for and against all of those guys. So, in all honesty, I'm frankly okay with anything that he would have said. You know, do I think he deserved to make the team JT that is based off of his 
play this year. No, he did not deserve to make this team off of this year's play. But if you want to say he's 16-5-2 in his cup team appearances, which is by far, I think, would have to be the best of any current American, you want to say he's an automatic natural pairing with his best friend, Jordan Spieth. Okay? He's can be probably the heart and soul. I think Zach Johnson used the term emotional leader today in his press conference. I'll give you that. Is he going to get under the skin of the Euros and their fans on the road in a tough environment where we haven't won in 30 years? I'll give you that. So I'm okay with it. Do I think he deserved it? Office play this year? No. But there's not much more of a pedigree um, than JT out there. I'm okay with Cam Young being left off. We all kind of run on the assumption that Cam Young was going to make the team. Yeah. I'm frankly fine with Cam Young being left off. And I think the Sam Burns pick was pretty much like, hey, Scotty, who do you want to play with? I want to play with my best friend, Sam Burns. Okay, he's on the team. I, I think that's how that came about. What if Lucas would have played better this week? I mean, he shot, what, one under, two under for the week at uh, the Tour Championship? Did he kind of count himself out without a top finish? I mean, if that guy goes out and finishes, you know, three, four, second, third, or fourth, something like that, does he earn a spot? Did that play into the decision at all? I think the more I have thought about this, the last week, two weeks, I, I don't know if Lucas ever had a chance of making the team. Unless he won. Yeah. I, I think Keegan's, in my opinion, I think Keegan's maybe the biggest snub, if you will. He's uh, the biggest snub. He, you look at his track record over the last year, year and a half on the tour, his results are there. They're strong. You look at his past cup experience his results are there they're strong six, six four and one and 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 Ryder cup and president's cup matches and so i think that's that's the biggest snub that's the guy who should be the most pissed off in my opinion not cam young because he really has not done shit and he hasn't he hasn't played and and i don't think and and, and justin thomas even talked about this on the on the uh interview today he was like going to a an away Ryder cup to to Europe and it, it kind of a say a hostile environment like they're going to be yelling at you sure. like and you're going to take a a rookie rook he's not a rookie but a rookie uh Ryder Cup player second year player never played there before um and he's he he's not playing great really as of late I mean he didn't did he qualify I don't think he qualified for the tour championship no he didn't yeah, so I mean, he hasn't been playing stellar as of late either. So, you know, going back to that list, I mean, I think he was the one that you could you could argue to kick out of the top twelve. They ended up kicking two out of the top twelve, and I think Keegan's the one who, if it were, if I were Keegan, I'd be pissed because uh, I think he did everything he needed to do to earn that spot. Um, but just so happened that you've got, you know, Ricky and Justin who and Jordan who are all buddies and and then there's a connection there. Um and and again, I I've I've always said that Justin is he's he's one of the best Ryder Cup players, and he may go down as being the best 
U.S. Ryder Cup player that we've ever had. Um, and, and not only just Ryder Cup, but just just cup matches. Um, so it's it's hard to keep him off. Again, I know we talked about it. He's been playing very poorly as of late, and that's that's and I I I don't agree with with Zach Johnson. I don't. I I personally, I think in this situation, you go with um, you go with the guy who's playing better golf right now. Uh, regardless, the the guys can get along with anybody. Like the, yeah, like hey, hey, Mike, I like you, man. We're gonna get along good. But if you're nice, playing sir. like shit, I'm gonna take the next guy, and we'll uh, figure it out. Uh, okay, you know, I nice. yeah. <laughs> but I mean that. But the same same can be said for me. It's like, hey. You know, we're buddies, but do you want to play with Tiger Woods? Yeah, I'll play with Tiger Woods because he's better. You know, he's playing better. You know, like I, I, I there's I, I think they he definitely put a lot into, like you said, the emotional leader, the past history, which I all think is very valid. That's if he's playing comparable to the players that you're comparing him to. He is he was he was and has not been playing comparable to Keegan Bradley. Uh, Keegan Bradley has been playing much better than him. Um, so that that was the only the only only qualm I had with it. But again, if you go back and look at the stats, he he is a world beater in in these cup matches. And I think if you go back and look at it, you know he obviously, like I said, he's been he's been great. You know since he started in two thousand was it fourteen fifteen when he when he first got on any of these cup matches. Um, but I, I think that there's got to be something said for current form like i think current form is more important than history and handling like handling a uh you know a cup match that's like it's like saying hey michael jordan you've won six nba championships i know you've been retired for 20 years but you know how to play um and in the and the the championship game i think you're going to lead us to to the finals like you're not playing you're 60 years old i mean again on this is not the game yeah, joke sure, sure. With, with justin thomas but like you're not playing well like that i think current form should sit at the top and it sounded like listening to zach johnson he put all the other things he built yeah all he did all the other things up but the the, it, the clear uh, deciding factors like are you playing good golf no you're not you're not playing good that's like like any other sport it's like Tom Brady, like you're the best quarterback of all time, but you're not throwing the ball well. What do you, what do you want me to do? Like I, I can't put you in. A, you can't start. You're not you're not throwing the ball well. Like but I got to put somebody else in. I think part of the issue too with current form though is there's such a long layover. Typically, there's not this much of a layover. We're talking about almost another month until this event actually happens with no events in between. It's not like they're going to be ramping up to the Ryder Cup. Guys are putting the clubs away. They just played three straight weeks. They're going to have some mm-hmm. a, a break. So that current form can go away pretty fast, as we know in this game. And yeah, I, but but it's not just current. It's like it's been three sure, months. It's more sustained of, of yeah. poor, poor golf. I but would say this reminds wanna... me. Go ahead. Go ahead. I would say this reminds me of the years when the Euros picked Sergio and Ian Poulter. And we're all like, what the fuck are they doing picking these guys? They suck right now. And then they kick our ass. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there, there, I, I, there's, there's three, there's three scenarios that I keep envisioning of, of what's going to happen here. There, the obviously the best case scenario for Americans is that Justin Thomas goes out and, and beats everybody's ass like he's done in past Cup Cup matches, Presidents Cup or Ryder Cup, and and U.S. wins and and it's the greatest pick 
It's the greatest captain's pick of all time. Um, that would be the best case scenario. Um, the worst case scenario would be, obviously, he, Justin Thomas goes out and plays really poorly, and we lose, and then Zach looks like look like looks like an idiot. Um, I think what's going to happen is he's going to probably hide Justin Thomas a little bit. He's going to use him for the emotional side of it. He's going to be there to kind of pump up these guys. He's going to play him in in the minimum uh, number of event uh, number of matches. What he probably will only play three to four four matches. He's going to go two and two. And he's going to be middle of the road. He's not going to put too much pressure on Justin. He's not going to put him in a position to fail. He's going to say, hey, you're going to play with Jordan two two matches. You guys are probably going to win. Jordan's playing decent. He loves match play. They both love match play. You're going to win two. You're going to lose two. You're going to come out of this two and two. We're going to win the Ryder Cup, and I'm still going to look good. You're going to look good. And everyone claps, and, and we're in good shape. That's That's how I envision this is going to happen. So if that's the case, in the end of the day, if that's if that's going to make us win, and if that's what Zach Johnson thinks, um, then that's great. Could there have been another player that could have done better? Maybe, maybe not. But sure. I, I, can't, I, I mean, I, I'm okay with it because of all the other factors that go into it. Um, but I, again, it's just it does it's it's just tough to watch how poorly he's played over the course of not just the last couple of weeks, but the last. Five, three, four, five, six months, and then you've got a guy, uh, Keegan, who has actually played really well uh, over the course of the whole year. He kind of gets snubbed out, so that's that's the only that's the only qualm with it. But. Sure, and the, the other thing I also look at, and this isn't necessarily a, a JT take or Keegan or Cam Young or whoever, but I don't think this. If if the Ryder Cup is made or lost on the twelfth pick of the team then the guys at the top didn't do their job. Sure, sure. I agree. Right. I agree. If if it comes down to who the hell the 12th guy was on the team, when we're supposedly going to be those big favorites going in, which we're going to get to in a second, I don't think we are. But then we then then Scotty Scheffler didn't make a fucking putt all week, which is very possible. Yeah, which that's true. Is true. Cantlay and Xander, that formidable pairing, didn't do what they were supposed to. That Brooks isn't this stud that we think he is. Or so you know, kind of diverging here. Obviously, we know um, the the pairings. Obviously, the people that you know, Sam Burns, Scotty love playing together. Jordan, Justin, they like playing together. Colin Cantlay. That's well, Cantlay, Cantlay, Xander. I'm sorry, uh, Cantlay and Xander. What did I say? I'm sorry. You said Colin. Yeah, I'm sorry, Cantlay and Xander, and then who are the other guys? Who do they? Match then it's up with? it's probably going to be Morikawa, Homa. They yeah. just they paired Cali together at the, at the Cali Boys. They paired together at the Zurich this year, the two man event. I think that's another pairing. I, I don't know what you do with Brian Harmon, in all honesty, or who does Kepka play with? Is is awkward? I I, I could see like a Kepka Wyndham Clark. Yeah. Maybe pairing two two bros going at it, you know. Yeah. Um yeah, Harmon Kepka would be a weird combo. Yeah, that's that's interesting one. I don't know what you'd do with Brian Harmon. I don't know. I'd love to play with Brian. Brian. No, I would too, but I just yeah. it, he's an odd an odd duckling, I feel like, in this whole yeah. team. 
Well, I mean, regardless, like I said, I think I, I think we've got the best team. And, you know, I, I do I think that Keegan kind of got snubbed in the whole thing based on JT's recent performance? Uh, I definitely do. But I, I, I totally – I mean, I've even said this like a month ago. I was like, I mean, if I have a chance to pick Justin Thomas – for the for any cup match, I mean that guy he he lives for it. He's gonna play well. I and I don't I don't foresee him not playing well. If he even has even if he even has a mediocre week, um, I think that the he's gonna US, find a way to get some points. He, he's gonna find a way to get some points, and he's gonna be he's gonna be guarded too because he's gonna always play with probably Jordan Spieth or one of the other guys that he really likes, or maybe even Ricky. You know, somehow they may switch it up, but sure. these guys love each other. They know each other's games. Like he's going to be paired with two other guys that are really playing well. And you can hide a lot of bad golf um, in in four ball alternate shot, maybe not so much, but the four ball, you can hide a lot of bad golf. If you're good at making birdies and you're driving all over the place, which Justin is, um, then you can you can still contribute. And I think that's probably what's going to happen. He's going to say, hey, man, I'm going to give this a go. I'm going to see if I can make five birdies a day and help. Um, and I may hit a couple balls out of play. He's driving it terrible. He's not driving it well. I mean, let's be honest. But, the, his ball striking number is not as bad as his results are, though. Yeah, but it's still, if you, I mean, if you watch him play, I mean, I'm giving the eye test here. You can watch him. It's, it's He's not hitting the ball where he's aimed, where he wants to hit it. He doesn't have the control over the ball. But it's sporadic, where he can still make a bunch of birdies, but he's going to make some bogeys. He's going to hit some balls out of play, which he's done for the last five months. And that's okay in this format. Maybe he skips out on the alternate shot. Maybe Zach Johnson says, hey, I want you to play with Jordan on uh, on a couple four balls, and the alternate shot you sit out. You know, it, that wouldn't surprise me. Um, and obviously he's got to play the singles, but it would surprise me if he played – Four, three to four matches. Three, ma- three matches, yeah. Three matches. And just says, hey, you know, the best ball I can hide, whatever weaknesses you've got going on, and you're playing with your buddy, you guys are going to feed off of each other, you're going to make birdies. Um, and it wouldn't surprise me, like I said, if he went two and one or two and two. Or, I mean, yeah, I mean, you never know. If, if Jordan gets hot, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm imagining him playing with Jordan yeah. every match that he can. Here's my updated take. This is not going to be a pushover. The Euros. That, but first of all, the Euros have three of the top four players in the world. Rory, Rom, Hovland. And then you add in, I think they're playing better. You add in guys like Fleetwood, who's been playing his ass off. Hatton has been playing well. Those five guys right there, if I was Luke Donald, I'm like, hey, boys, buckle up. You're playing five matches. Like oh, yeah. the, the bottom of the roster on the Euros is not going to be great, but the top of the roster is fucking good. I would honestly, if it were me, I would take as a captain, I would spread all of those guys out and I would pair them with the, these guys who are maybe, you know, so-called no names. Sure. And that, it, because again, if you're looking at max maximum amount of points, if you pair these super, super guys together, there's no guarantee that they're going to win. Um, but you, you lose put these bad. alphas along with some of these newcomers and just say, Hey, I'm going to pair you guys up and see if we can max maximize our points and go from there. Um, that, that, if it were me, that's the way I would, I would go. Since you don't have the best Ryder Cup player of all time on the team, right? Sergio Garcia, you didn't pick him. So 
<laughs> or they probably won't pick him. I shouldn't say they haven't picked him because no, they, they will not pick him since he's trying to sue the DP World Tour. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you you tough those five guys that I said, and then you add in a guy like Matt Fitzpatrick, Shane Lowry, Justin Rose. Like that top eight is pretty damn good. Yeah, you're going to have a guy like Seb Straka is probably going to make the team, and Bob McIntyre is going to make the team. But we've we've seen Bob has some some balls in him, some some heart in him. Um, I think I mean, they, he looks like a good match play player. He just seems like he's yeah. got that got that about him. Adrian, and they every year, every other year, when we do the Ryder Cup, they, there's always two or three players from the European Tour. I'm sorry, the, the Euros that just you're like, who is this guy? He's why is he playing so well? I've never heard of this guy. And they just they get especially in their in 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 on their territory they just step up, and that's the one thing that that scares me about you know about where we are. I know we're the favorites, but like you said, if it ends up being Hovland, Hatton, uh, Rom, uh, who else? Rory, Rory, geez, Louise, Justin Rose. I mean, this is a, a, a Fleetwood Fitzpatrick. Fleetwood, Fitzpatrick, these guys Shane are Lowry. these are major champions. Shane Lowry, all these guys are major champions. I mean, you put eight guys, and then you throw the other four newcomers, Sepp Straka and whoever, who whatever. They don't have to play a full full load. You put two it matches. to the, two matches. You put it to the guys who have been there and done that. Like Justin Rose is not scared of any one of those players that we have. None of them, and neither is Fleetwood. Neither is and none of those guys are. Like yeah. they've been, they've played enough golf. They've won majors. Like they don't care. Well, so, Lowry shines in the big moments. Oh yeah, Lowry's a baller. Well, then, then you do add in a guy like Adrian Moronk if he makes a team. He just won at this golf course this year. The Italian Open has hosted this golf course the last few years. Bob McIntyre won last year. Like some of these guys that, that are going to make this squad have actually a good track record on this golf course too. So they're going to feel comfortable. Oh yeah, out there. It's gonna be it's gonna be way close, way close. I really hope that he doesn't play Justin Thomas in a full load. I don't no, I don't want won't. I don't want I don't want to if if I mean hopefully we win. If we lose, I hate it's it's putting a lot of pressure, honestly. And I know Justin Thomas probably is like, yeah, I want it. He doesn't care, but it's putting a lot of pressure on him. If we lose and Justin Thomas plays poorly. It's gonna it's gonna go down as the biggest the biggest Ryder Cup blunder and pick of all time. Yeah, I, I can't think of one. I can't think of a pick that would be worse if he played poorly. Now, granted, he's got one of the best records of all time in Ryder Cup or, or Cup format. So I don't know if that's gonna happen. So that's why I'm wondering if he just waits to the waits till the week and sees how he's playing. Maybe the first day. And says, "Hey, I'm going to let you play the first match. Let's see how you're doing. If he if he loses that first match, then there's a good chance that he doesn't play. Well, he's going to get an idea because so they're flying over and actually next week. The whole team's flying over next week to get some practice rounds in in Rome, and then coming back to the states for a couple of weeks before the Ryder Cup. JT is going to play the 40 net in Napa in a couple of weeks. The first event of the off season wraparound. What I don't know what this is." really called anymore since the season doesn't start until January now. But what used to be the wraparound season, 40 net was the first event and they're still having it. But 
this little fall season for mainly for the guys that didn't make the playoffs to to get their rankings in order and priority rankings for who gets in the fields next year. But JT is going to play in that. So, and, and that headline came out a couple of weeks ago and I sent it to you guys in our chat. And I was like, this is interesting. Is this a mm-hmm. Zach said, Hey, I want to pick you, but I need you to play some competitive golf between since you're not in the playoffs between now and then um, to, to kind of, yeah. But at that point, what freaking difference does it make? You know, it it like, doesn't, but it, at least already, he's, if you're gonna, he's if I'm going to pick you and you shoot 80, 80. Now I'm really going to look like an idiot. True, absolutely, but at least it would wouldn't be a two months off in between competitive yeah. rounds. No, no, no. Yeah. yeah, so yeah, I mean, it very very interesting the last day and a half with the whole Ryder Cup, and we've talked about it. I think almost every week now for the last you know four five six weeks, it's just been fun to follow. I love Ryder Cup years, and so, but yeah, Any, anything else in the world of golf? Um, did you see that corn ferry tour suspension? Yeah, I did. That's wild. I mean, I hey, dude, like it sounds like it's pretty excessive. The guy just can't, couldn't figure it out. It sounds like he's an incredible player. Um, and hope, hopefully, he gets the help that he needs with with that. I mean, it's, so, it's for, the, for the listeners if you're not aware, it's his Alexander Toasty Tosty to, Tosty Toasty. I'm not sure. Yeah, he's Argent- awesome. Argentine, I believe. Argentinian. Argentinian. Um is fourth in the Corn Ferry Tour pointless. So he is going to be getting his card to go uh onto the PGA Tour. Last week, played the first round, and then they he's they fucking PGA Tour. They put out a notice that he withdrew from the tournament. Well, it turns out they told him to take a fucking hike. You're suspended because of just a litany of just bad behavior and uh, Ryan French of Monday Q info on social media. And and he works with the uh, fire pit collective wrote a great article and did some reporting. And there's all kinds of incidents of him cussing at players, cussing at officials, cussing at his caddies, throwing clubs, hitting team volunteers, volunteers, breaking shit, like just an awful person. It sounds like, uh, great golfer, like you said, but a bad, bad person that just can't get his shit together. And but it's n- not even a bad person. Like everyone that that knows true, him says, says that he's like the nicest, most engaging guy out, outside of golf. But once he's on the golf course, he just he can't he can't keep it together. And man, I feel for him. I, I mean, I've had. Maybe I'm not gone down that that I road. Say, I don't know um, if you've ever done anything like that. Yet. No, 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 not like. But I understand where it's like the, the the game gets. It's it becomes so important, and like you're just like you do you do and say things, and some people you know say it internally. Other people's other people let it out loud. Um, and I I, I feel for him because it sounds like he's got a mental struggle going on with the with golf and like who he is and his identity and it's like hey man you're you're okay and that the, the there's no reason for you to get that upset and i and i get it and you're this is coming from a guy who uh, <laughs> i'm pretty intense when it comes to golf but in the end of the day it's like it's just it's just golf and that's not what he wants to hear but 
you are who you are and people are going to, if you're a good person and you're engaging, like it sounds like you are be that person um, and, and let everybody see you are, because in the end of the day, if you're, you're probably going to make way more money <laughs> in terms of endorsements and sponsors, if you are a good golfer, then you are getting all been out of shape about, uh, you know, a couple of missed putts. And, and, and I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying that to be critical because I've been on the, that side of it too, but hopefully he can figure it out because he he's got, it sounds like he's an incredible player. I haven't really watched him play, but um, sounds like he's got a great opportunity. He's, he's got his PJ tour card locked up. Um, think about the sponsors. Like how are you going to get sponsors on the PJ tour? If you're the guy who flies off at the handle, you know, and no sponsor wants to put their, put their logo on your shirt. Like, come on, like you got to yeah. think about that stuff. You know, that, that one miss birdie putt doesn't, doesn't equate to not getting a logo on your shirt or on your sleeve or on your hat or on your side of your hat. You know, the, all those things make a difference. I mean, but anyway, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Hopefully we'll figure it out, but. McLean, you okay over there? You're confused at why your glass is empty. No, I thought I had a little protein on that last sip. I was just making sure <laughs> it was clean. <laughs> um, so on the Tosti note, I will get the insight on this. I don't know if I'll be able to share it on the podcast. Um, Jim Duncan, who is the head rules official executive director of sorts uh, for the Corn Ferry Tour is a close personal friend of uh, my family's. Him and my father were very close friends. And I'm going to the Grove here in uh, like a week or two, whenever they have their event here. And I'm going as a guest of Jim's. Um, so no, that sounds, and I, I, that I sounds like a terrible time. Only if you're not there. Um, I will... Uh, I'll, I certainly plan to get his insight. I mean, Jim, when you know he's off the cuff and he's you know outside of it, just us two will certainly, you know, give me the lowdown. I would never betray his, uh, his position or his you know willingness to provide me some insight. Um, but I'm looking forward to hearing it. It's definitely something I plan on asking because basically, from what I understand and in reading the articles, they had a face to face blowout. And more not from Jim's side of things, but from Tosti's side of things, where he basically got in Jim's face and was just absolutely giving it to him. So I'm interested to I'm interested yeah. to see if I can get anything on that. You know, I'll share it with you guys privately. Um, but you know, the other thing that I, I found interesting is that you know, he lost it on Kyle Westmoreland, who's actually another friend of mine. Um, I used to play some golf with down in Charleston when he before he had made it to the tour. Kyle is like the most subdued, nice guy. He's a veteran. Was uh, like an ex-marine, Air, for Air Force, Air Force. Yes, sir. Um, so it's tough for me to to see that, especially just having knowledge of having played with Kyle and spent some time around him. He is not a you know in your face or out of line guy by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, an absolute professional and very, very. Um, polished when it comes to you know how he handles himself so he's also he's also 63 220 so i don't uh, know why he's a little get, guy i think yeah, Kyle yeah why, is, why are you gonna get in <laughs> why are you gonna get in kyle's face he's like he's a big dude and like, that 63 220 is chiseled but yeah I mean, exactly like, kyle's in on, dumb shape i mean well, dumb that, shape. again that's my point like something something is not quite some wires are mixed there. Something's not quite right with 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 Toasties, and I don't think he it, because it's like it sounds like it's like two different people. 
you know, when yeah. he's on on course, off course, um, and yeah, something something's not not quite right. There. I mean, that, that's like out. unprecedented to basically tell someone to take a hike in the middle of a tournament. I I wish the tour would start to publicize suspensions, fines, kick him off, Doug. <laughs> Take him off the tour, Doug. <laughs> oh, the other thing I wish the tour would do real fast. I know it was is becoming a long pod. They need to do some sort of injury report. As a degenerate gambler, yeah. I need to know if Rory McIlroy has a back injury prior to more than fifteen minutes before he tees off. I agree, uh, and that that's that. It, it, there's got to be something there. I think. I mean, hey, maybe this pod is going to start that, but we we need to have some type of injury report, or something, some standard across the board. We have it with the NFL, we have it with the NBA. Like it, with all the with the way that the the gambling and the betting is going on, uh, the fantasy sports in in the U.S. Like it, it it's it's it, it it's almost like stealing from people when somebody places a bet and then a guy says, Oh, my back's hurt. I'm an hour yeah. before. And there's no information. He just withdraws. Like it's, that, well, it's it didn't not right. Sound like anyone knew about it until after the first round, because it got noticed. Um, one of his first drives of the day, they go, Whoa, that club head speed is like 10 mile an hour under. Um, uh, so the, it came out right before it was like 20 minutes before his opening round on Thursday. Cause I was actually watching the coverage at home. I was off Thursday and I think it was Todd Lewis or someone came on the golf chain and was like, Oh yeah. And, it, but what I don't get is how did the, they said he did not play a practice round. He did not hit a ball all week at East Lake. How did a member of the media not pick up on that? Well, yeah. there's only 30 guys in the field. How do you not realize one of the top names did not touch a club at East Lake? For the week, uh, yeah, that's that's ridiculous. So I, was, ridiculous. I don't know. Anyways, it's just a bone to pick as a degenerate gambler. I don't want this to affect my gambling in the future. <laughs> Fair, I, I agree with that. If you're gonna, if the PJ Tour is gonna get in bed with gambling now and put ads on the leaderboards and do all this stuff, and yeah, you better play play the game. And I I also understand. Yes, it is harder than team sports where there's no like team trainer and there's no collective bargaining agreement where they have to put out those injury reports. I understand it's harder where everyone's kind of doing their own thing with their own trainers and, but there's gotta be some sort of standard that they have to abide by. Agreed. Yeah. It's like almost like, like a two hour check-in. Like, are you going to play like, or, or, yeah, the tour or physician the or the tour trainer, you know, have a couple of them. They have to go when they register for the tournament, they have to go check in with this guy and whatever. Yeah, something, I don't know. Something. Like, hey, are you you're good to go? You're gonna play this week. You check in the day, the day of, or at least the day of. Yeah. And if you're like, hey, I'm not feeling good, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna make it. You gotta make a decision. Like it, it's like hey, if you don't, if you if you do withdraw after this, there's a fine. Like there's some there should be something. I I I think that should be that should be a standard across the board, regardless, because it's like if you if you got a back injury and and you withdraw like in the first nine holes because you knew that you were injured and you couldn't make it. Like, like there's another dude waiting like for a one shot, just one chance to play. Um, like a Kevin Na. They got guy used to do that all the time. Like, ah, I'm gonna give it a shot. And he would draw after three holes. I'm like, dude, you know, you got guys sitting here that are waiting to get into an event and 
and you just played just so so you could get your start for your for your PGA Tour pension. Um, that's bullshit. And you knew, had no intention of finishing the tournament. But this guy's trying to get his first start. Uh, you know, he's a, a conditional guy on the PGA Tour. That that that, shit's, that, that irritates the crap out of me. Um, like, uh, yes, you have the right to do that, but you also that's just not the way to play. You know, yeah. like if you're gonna play, play. So yeah, I agree. There should be something there that says, "Hey, two hours before, are you good to go? You can withdraw now, and we can get this other guy in if you don't feel comfortable, if you don't feel good." But once you after you after you pass this two hour barrier, one hour barrier, and you withdraw, you pay a fine. And I think yeah. there should be more. There should be you more know. I mean, you know, if you can make it seventy two holes, seventy two holes is a yeah. lot of golf. Like you know, yeah. you can make it or not. Like yeah, hundred percent. Uh, last, last, but most importantly, uh, I'm sure everyone wants to know of our season long DraftKings standings. They win nothing. This week, McLean came in last. Jay came in second. Really? I came in second. Wow. That's incredible. I came in first again. Jay finished the season at 118 points. McLean finished the season at 144 points. I finished the season at 146 points. It's because I allowed you guys to double up <laughs> in the thing. I mean, let's call a spade a spade here. I am the draft king. Congrats. Get you. <laughs> I was so into it early on when I remember that you guys said, we need to go back. I want to go back and listen. Uh, that first week where we said, you know, yeah, we're going to put put some dollars down on this. And then all of a sudden I got out way out front. And you guys were like, no, 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 no. We didn't put anything on this. No, I don't think we ever did that. But I would, love to put some, let's, I would love to put some dollars on next next year. I'm going back and listening. That's all. I, I we put $50 on it at the very beginning of the year. We said 50 a man. We um, did? We I did. Venmo, Cash App, whatever. And then we we then took a so I think where the gray area comes in is we took Jay and I, we took a press and we doubled the points. So is is the press in golf, there would be the original bet that McLean would have won. The press I would have won. Yeah. Jay would have lost both. Yeah, I, I, I would not have agreed to this. Like, I, I don't remember. I mean, I'm sure it's it's recorded somewhere, but I don't remember. It is recorded. Digging back in $50. When, when did we say $50? At the, at the I, very beginning of the season, like a year ago. I'm, I am Jeez. going back into it. Okay. I All right. Whatever. You tell me what I, I'll pay. Deep into my, uh, my podcast here. So it's all good. It's all good. I'm good with it. <laughs> I think it's just a wash. Tell me what I owe and I'll wash. pay. Call it a wash. I'll pay my bets. I'm not. Cool. I'll do it. I. I don't. All good. I won't love it. I'll hate McClain, it. McLean, you and you and I can call it a wash. I think Jay owes us some money. Nah, I'm good on that. I don't. Want to. <laughs> he he does enough. He's got he's got all the right clubs in play. He's feeling good these days. <laughs> so say, wait a minute. You're the one that helps him out with those clubs, so he should owe you even more. That's right. Uh, no, <laughs> no. It's all about representation. I mean, look. Look, as where I'm sitting, you, I feel like I've influenced both you guys' bags at this point. Yeah, just like I said, don't go to Wilson, dude. <laughs> I'm happy. I'm happy with my bag. No offense I'll, if I'm any Wilson representatives are listening, but I've got a I've got a good. You tell me if I do, you're not going to open an account. No, I think I am there. 
Mikey, I got you this duo golf ball and a great range ball deal. You still got the fat shafts? I need a fat shaft. Fuck, I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> Maybe those fat shafts? Those are awesome. I actually oh, yeah. those fat shafts. They were good. Well, it's funny because that was one of those things. I mean, just looking back to it, there are so many products that were successful before we knew why they were successful. And now you look back at something like that and you realize, oh, he hit it long because it, it spun a lot less. Um, and you look at back at like the Cleveland Highboard driver, it spun a lot less. And no one knew why these things caught hold, especially on tour and everything. Guys like, man, I'm in it 20 yards farther. I don't fucking know why. But uh, there's so many pieces of technology when we look back through the years. Yeah. Things that were successful. And now we have the understanding of why they were successful. And then you look back and you realize that the fat shafts did not help in any of those those points. No, the fat shaft fat shaft helped produce less spin, which is less, why less twisting, less side spin. Yeah, which is why they had they they did anything at all. Um but it's just one of those pieces of technology. Like I said, I always find it fascinating when you look back on certain things that did well before we knew why they did well. And, uh, you know, now we have that, that data to look back on. But it couldn't have been that great because they were the only company to do the fat shafts. And well, it, it, didn't, it didn't make it, it, was it, didn't make it past that. Feeling. It was such a different thought. It was so out there. Um, like you're hitting a, Freaking aluminum bat. That's what it felt like. So you admit that you played them. Okay. <laughs> I, I didn't I mean I hit them. I didn't play them, but I hit them. I hit everything, dude. I try all the clubs. You know me. I'm a I'm a golf club whore. Come on. I do know that. <laughs> I do know that. All right. Hey, why why I got you guys and, and the listeners are probably tuned out at this point. We're gonna work up on an idea. As we're getting into this off season now. I want to institute like a listener ask the host segment they can email us we'll put out our email they can text us if they have our personal numbers for a lot of our listeners they can dm us on instagram and we start doing uh they if if people want to do golf advice if they want to just tell us we're an idiot if they want to ask us gambling advice if they want us or ask our thoughts on why the sky's blue i think we need to institute a little off-season Ask the hosts. Yeah, I like that. I like that. I'd love for I'd love for our listeners to send us some emails or texts. You know, the up until you know Sunday the night before, and yeah. then we'll we'll answer. We'll answer. We can them. we can look yeah. at them and answer some of the best. Yeah, yeah I like that. that. Be I can already see it now. We get John from Short Pump wants to know why Duke sucks. Yeah, I can, <laughs> I'm in. I got you, John. Let me. I got a whole segment on that. <laughs> Speaking of Duke, my Clemson Tigers have Duke this weekend in the opening game. I can't wait to beat the piss out of them. I love that. Monday night. Guarantee. There's, there's I mean, guarantee. Clemson's obviously good, but Duke, I mean, I'm, look, I'm going to give them their, their call here. They're supposed to be a pretty solid team this year. They're a basketball school. Fair, but my Tar Heels uh, going up against South Carolina and um, uh, Bank of America. Um this weekend and please beat South Carolina. I hope you never know what could come out of them. I mean, South Carolina, you don't have to, you know, qualify academically to play on that team. No, we're physically. We suck. 
<laughs> Sorry. <laughs> All right. We're we're way long. Anything else, gents? Or we're we're getting far off the rails here. Nothing. All right. That was a wonderful 2022-2023 PGA Tour season. Yep. Let's you guys want to go in on rollback real quick or we just want to hold Let's down? go rollback. Let's go rollback. Sure. All right. Uh to all of our <laughs> listeners, we appreciate you guys checking in as I mute these two before they say anything else. And we're out. Cheers. 